Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Good morning once again, Harvest KL. Just a reminder, my name is Dan Wright. I am one of the elders here at Harvest KL. And I wanted to, this morning, share a reflection from Isaiah 40, verse 31, which is really one of my favorite verses. It's a, a verse that I um, I used to run a lot and run in, in uh, running races. And this is a verse that I often would have on the, the back of my shirt to remind myself of who I have my strength from, who I put my confidence in. Um, but let me read to you Isaiah Chapter 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. And this is, there's three really important concepts that I wanted to share with us this morning. It's both a reminder to, to, to us as a church as a whole, but also a reminder to myself as we've been through a very difficult year as a church, we've been through a very difficult year as a community, and we need to be reminded again and again of the faithfulness and the promises of this great God that we worship. And these three important concepts that I want to remind us about this morning and remind myself about, is one is waiting. And second is the renewal of, of strength. And third is not growing weary and not growing faint. That we retain hope and confidence and even good cheer in the face of difficulty. And even in non-response to our prayers because of where our confidence is found. So starting first with this idea of waiting. We know that life is often about waiting. When we're children, there's the... Are we there yet? Is my dinner ready yet? When we're ill with sickness or disease, there's when will I feel better? When will the suffering end? When we're single or childless, when will I have children? When will I find a spouse? When we are unemployed or our business is suffering, when will I find a job? When, um, uh, when will my business do better? When we're in a country that's not our own sometimes, when will I emigrate to a new safe place? For those of us with family members who have not yet uh, put their faith in Jesus Christ, we're constantly asking this question, when will they accept this amazing gift of Christ? And for those of us here in Malaysia and throughout the world, when will this pandemic end? 
when will we be able to live our lives again? And the Bible is filled with waiting. And as Christians, our perspective on waiting is perhaps one of the stronger ways that we're very different from our own society. Waiting on God is a regular refrain in the life of faith. It's celebrated throughout Isaiah. In Isaiah 26.6, it says, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. We have an all-powerful and gracious God who acts for those who wait for him, from Isaiah 64, 4. But waiting was not easy for our forefathers, right? Throughout the Bible, when will we be freed from Pharaoh? When will God move us to our land? When will I be with child? Even Christmas, which we just celebrated, is about waiting for a savior. And with all those centuries of waiting for the Messiah, you might think that waiting would be done when Jesus came. But no, we now in, our, in the church age, we, we wait as much as we ever did before, called to live in the shadow of his coming back, his return. We wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.7. We are a people waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God, and Savior Jesus Christ from Titus 2.13. The church is that community which has turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. It's from 1 Thessalonians 1 verses 9 and 10. Knowing that when he appears, he comes to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. From Hebrews 9.28. And the church has endured two millennia of this extended waiting. After Jesus' death and his resurrection, we've been waiting for his return. And we aim to live in holiness and godliness, waiting for the end, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. Waiting for the new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13. And as we bide our time on this side, we keep ourselves in the love of God by waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. That's from Jude. And is there a point to all this waiting? Is God just trying to make us virtuous by teaching us patience? Well, probably not, but he is trying to teach us something for sure. Pastor and theologian John Piper talks about this idea of God not gathering an incredibly large group of workers around himself to show how powerful he is. But we have a God that came to earth to serve. Jesus came to earth to serve. God wants to serve us and serve you. And just before our passage in Isaiah 40, 28, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. And Piper says this, there is this contrast where we are going to grow, we are going to faint. We are going to grow weary. Why? Because we're waiting on the one who never grows faint and never grows weary. And that is where we are going to put that confidence. And again, Piper says he's not looking for people to work for him. He is looking for people who will let him work for them. 
And in Acts 17, 25, we say, God is not served by human hands. He's not waiting for us to act as though he needed anything since he gives, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And from Psalm 50, 15, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And God shows his power and his glory by showing us over and over again to stop relying on ourselves. For me, Dan, stop relying on yourself. But rely, put my trust, put my hope, and wait for God. And then the beautiful display of this is, of course, in Jesus in Mark 10, 45. It says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So throughout the Bible and in our passage here in Isaiah 40, 31, God is displaying his greatness, his glory. He says that I am not the kind of God who needs you or depends on you, but I am here for you. Put your trust in him. If you will come to the Son of Man who came to serve you by dying for you and ransoming you from your sin, if you let him serve you in that way, he will serve you all the days of your life, including in the second coming, where in Luke 12 we see he will gird himself with a towel, make us sit at table, and the king of the universe will put food on our table at the feast of the Lamb. So how does all this apply to us here at Harvest KL as we move into 2022? Well, certainly this pandemic has caused us to wait. And the circumstances of our church have caused us to wait. When will we have a pastor? When will we gather again together as a body to worship together? So my prayer and encouragement is this, that we and that I will put my hope, put my trust, put my confidence, not in my strength, in our strength or my ability or our ability, but to put it in the one who is tireless, who is all powerful, who does not grow weary or grow faint, so that when we rise up on the wings of eagles, he will be glorified. To him be the glory. Amen. Good morning, church. The verse I would like to share this morning uh, comes from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It reads, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The first word here is see. See what kind of love. The writer is asking us to behold what kind of love this is, to take in what kind of love, to make sure we do not miss this kind of love. There's a love here being explained that we should not gloss over. To gloss over is to treat or describe something as if it were not important. You see, sometimes, especially if you've been a Christian for a while, it's easy to gloss over this love of God. We can get used to it, and we can tend to not see it for what it is. Church, this passage is telling us not to do that. We need to stop and behold. It's not just about understanding the love of God. It's also about standing under the love of God. For example, I can understand that the Twin Towers 
are the world's tallest pair of buildings, but it's completely different uh, to be standing in front of the Twin Towers and to behold it. So this verse is asking us to behold and see what kind of love this is. What are we supposed to see? The extravagant love that the Father has given to those that are called His children. Church, here are some words to describe it. The extravagance of God's love, the beauty of it, the grandness of it, the magnitude and the weight of it. This love that is so crazy. Behold what kind of love this is. The fact here is that God's love is out of this world. The command here is to behold it. This verse is a great reminder not to get used to it, to stop, to pause, and to behold it. It is a timely reminder in the new year. Sometimes we can live amongst spectacular sights, such as the Twin Towers in KL, or the Sydney Harbour if you live in Sydney. Um, sometimes these spectacular sights can blend into the background and into the landscape, and we can get used to it, and um, they can appear as, as, as uh, common. But it is always a breathtaking view to the person that sees it for the first time. Church, we need to remember and be reminded of the love of God as if it was the first time that we uh, came to Christ. This crazy love that God has for us. This verse encourages us not to forget what we know, to relearn it a little bit and to take it in. The verse continues. It says that we should be called children of God. This thing that God has done in giving us his love, something about it has called us children of God, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Why is it a big deal? It's a big deal because we came from not being part of the family to being part of the family. In giving his love, Jesus came. He was destined for the cross. He came to die. Jesus basically lived to die. That if we would accept it, we would be called children of God. Anyone who places his faith in him for salvation will become a child of God. They become a child of God through adoption because we were not born into the family of God due to our sin. We had to be re reborn. We weren't born in, we actually had to be brought in. We became sons and daughters because Jesus paid the price for our adoption back into the family. Someone had to pay the price and that person was Jesus Christ. In the New Year Church, this verse is a reminder for us, the very foundation of our faith, the reason why we praise Him, the reason why we worship Him, and the reason why we live for Him. Somehow, if this is the first time you're listening to something like this, I would like to welcome you to receive God's love and become His child. All of us, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. And when they sinned, listen, they created an environment where every single one of us, we follow them. We sin as well. So think about how many of us actually have gone through uh, multiple days of our life where we think of nobody else but ourselves. These are called sins. And because of this sin, we have a broken relationship with God. We have a broken relationship with creation, and we have a broken relationship with each other. And the beauty is that Jesus actually came 
and lived the perfect life, and he died a sinner's death. He laid in the grave, and praise God, three days later, he burst forth in resurrection, offering us newness of life. This is how God has bestowed his love on us. How he has given us his love, that if we would accept it, we would be adopted into his family and called children of God. If you're not a believer, receive God's love today and become his child. I would like to call you to do that. I would like to call you to admit that you are a sinner and believe that Jesus Christ has done everything necessary for you to save you by living a life that you did not live, by dying a death that you deserved. Then praise God, raising from the dead, bursting forth from the grave, offering you a chance to be united. Then confess him as Lord of your life and you will receive his love that he has bestowed upon us and you will be counted as part of the family of God. Again, 1 John 3, 1 reads, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we would be called children of God. And so we are.